please give your attention to the reading of God's Word. Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's go through this scripture again. As we go through a second time, I want to ask you guys to picture it. Um, So, in the preceding chapter, in the preceding verses, Jesus had sent out the 72 of his disciples to preach and teach, and they came back, and they're like, Lord, the demons submitted to us in your name. And they're super excited because they just learned how to do deliverance. Jesus says, well, don't be so, quite so hyped up about that, but be glad about this, that your names are written in heaven. And they were learning to not be so excited about the ministry, but to let their focus be on the Son of God who is in heaven and their fellowship with him by the Spirit. And in these, the following verses, uh, Jesus is traveling from town to town. Probably most or all of those 72 disciples are with him, including his, uh, the 12 who became the apostles. There are probably other disciples also, and they need a place to stay. They need a place to, let's say, maybe have lunch. So whatever time of day it is, they arrive at this woman's house. They arrive in this village, and this Martha welcomes him into her house. But she wasn't just welcoming him. She was welcoming those who were with him. So there are probably quite a few of them. So this would be like, you know, Davion saying, all right, everybody's invited to my house this afternoon, like on the spur of the moment. Your wife would probably be like, oh my gosh. Uh, She'd be rushing to like get everybody like a glass of water, you know, a soda, a sandwich. She'd be calling the neighbors and rallying everybody to quick come over and serve them. So this is probably about what's happening here. So look again. As they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. How awesome is that? It's not like the members of GCF, which is modestly cool, I guess. This is God. This is the Lord of heaven come down. He's in the flesh, and he didn't just come to your town, which is like the coolest thing that could ever happen to anybody. He came to her house, and she had the chance to show the Lord Jesus, this is Yahweh, to show him hospitality. This is awesome. Can, do you think she's a little bit uh, distracted with the responsibility she carries of serving him and those who are with him, who are probably dozens. She welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister. So obviously they're going to be working together to take care of everybody's needs, washing feet, bring water. No, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. 
Yikes. <laughs> That's like an instant rift in the family. <laughs> Can you see how upset she should probably be by what her sister just did, leaving her to serve alone all these people? And it's the Lord. It's not just anybody. Like, hospitality is what we do as Christians, right? In those days, they uh, sat at low tables. So if you can imagine a real low table, I don't know, a foot high or whatever. <clears throat> and they would maybe kind of sit, uh, half sprawled out on the floor with their legs out, and they're leaning on their elbow maybe, uh, facing in towards the table. So it's likely that Jesus and some of his disciples are reclining around this table in this way. And so everybody else is kind of around them. And Martha's running back and forth between the kitchen and the in the dining room, bringing everybody whatever they need and trying to serve them the best she can, but it's just too much. But she's doing her best to serve the Lord. And there's Mary, and she's found a place among the disciples who are probably tired after their long walk from the last town, probably dusty and sweaty. And she just sits there, and she's kind of out there right near Jesus' feet, listening behind him. But Martha was just distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Because she's obviously not listening to me, right? But the Lord answered her in public in front of everybody when she's trying to do her best to be of service to the Lord. Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. It's like he's saying, there are two loaves of bread here, and you've chosen to serve the bread of hospitality. A truly noble thing. Who of us would fault Martha for welcoming the Lord into her house? And who of us would criticize her for being in a hurry to try to serve everybody in a timely manner while they're all waiting on her? And Jesus says, there's this other loaf, this loaf of the bread of life. Sit here and eat of me. I'm all you need. You ought to be sitting at my feet listening to the greatest extent possible in the midst of your responsibilities of service and hospitality. And Mary chose the good portion, and it's not going to be taken away from her. So the God-man and many of his disciples came to her house. What was Martha doing? She was doing the work of service. She was distracted with much serving, so her attention wasn't really on the Lord anymore. And that's where we start to understand Jesus' statement here. She was anxious and troubled about many things. What's wrong with this picture? The problem here, the, the issue here, when we, when we look through this window into the scriptures, isn't that Jesus was here and Mary was doing the right thing and Martha lost her focus on Christ and was just all anxious and distracted and it wasn't somehow pleasing to the Lord anymore. Her service wasn't the right service anymore. The problem isn't that we're looking into a window into the Word of God. This is a mirror into our own lives, isn't it? And that's the issue here. 
because when we look into the scripture, we see ourselves. We see sometimes we have been Mary, sitting at his feet listening in all the circumstances of life, being willing to lay aside everything and seek him with all our heart, and we found him, and we encountered God, didn't we? Remember those sweet times of fellowship with the Lord when life was hard or life was great or life was mundane and you sought the Lord and you found him. And there wasn't anything sweeter, was there? But when we look at this mirror into our own lives, it shows us that usually are we not, Martha, focused on everything else, losing out on this sweet communion with the Lord, So let's back up and get a better perspective on this. Jesus came to her house. Who is Jesus? Paul tells us in Philippians that Jesus didn't consider his equalness with the the Father and the Son something to be held onto real tightly. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he opened his hands and he took off those robes of glory that we talk about when we talk, that we talked about when we looked into Zechariah three a few weeks ago, those shining garments of his glory. He took off his reputation among the angels uh, in person, with these flaming angels worshiping him day and night, saying, "Holy, holy, holy," because that's where he used to live, like with the Father and the Spirit in heaven, right? And sometimes he appeared to people in the Old Testament, but he lived there at his throne where he belongs, eternally, awesomely glorified with such praise and such wonder. And in this awesome scene that Revelation 4 shows us, underneath the throne of God come, like like out from his throne come lightning bolts. And we get some pretty heavy-duty storms here in Dayton. And when one comes like right over East Dayton, you don't hear the anymore. You hear like this, and it's kind of scary, you know, and you wonder, is that going to hit my house? Like, am I safe? Well, it's, it's, it's not safe in the traditional sense to be this near such an awesome God. So he brought himself down to us. He who is enrobed in light, who lives in unapproachable light, the scripture says. Can you picture that? That's like, being inside the sun or something. Like, you can't even get to him. And so, not wanting heaven without us, he came down. And this is the Jesus who took on skin. He probably wasn't very good looking. He probably wasn't particularly tall or necessarily uncommonly strong. Or, you know, he didn't, uh, he, he, he looked like a regular guy, the scripture says in Isaiah. And here he is in her house. But we know who he is, don't we? Maybe Martha didn't fully realize it, but we do. So all the more important for us to look into this passage and understand what we, what we miss out on when we miss out on communion with him, maybe even day after day after day. Look at what he did. Jesus laid aside his glory. What are you doing that's so important? He, he laid aside his glory to come to this woman's house and to come into this house 
And we are his house, his building, his temple, right? And he is in us. And he is humbling himself day to day to, to live in us and to dwell in us by his Holy Spirit, who is in us individually and in us in our togetherness. So it's really a humble thing Jesus is doing by, by letting the Spirit of Jesus access come here and be with us and meet us in our quiet times. It's, it's not a, like, we're not very glorious. We're not like these flaming angels with multiple wings and just sing holy, holy, holy all the time. We're actually pretty busy a lot of times, and often we don't have time to lay aside the things that we find important to be with him. But this is his intent in the incarnation. This is why he came in the flesh, so that he might be with us. Isn't that like the best thing you can think of? Like he wants to be with you. Deeply. Like very, very much. He wants to be near you as friend and father and brother and Lord. That's awesome. That's, that's my favorite thought. So he's always laying aside his glory in a manner of speaking to dwell in our hearts through faith. So why can't you lay aside the things that are important to you to spend time with him throughout the day and in focused ways day by day where you stop everything and just pay attention to him and just listen to him. Come to him and let him speak to you in the scriptures. Admittedly, this is hard. It's hard to change a lifestyle where you used to be like every other person in the world and become a Christian, and a Christian lives supernaturally and relies heavily on the supernatural power of God to get through each day in a way that's pleasing to God and ask the Lord for faith and strength, grace, empowerment, supernatural thinking, ability to perceive things we wouldn't otherwise know with our natural mind. These are the kinds of prayers that we as Christians pray day by day, right? And if you don't do, that's a, that's a good prayer. Um, you should not be a regular human. That's kind of absurd. Like we left that behind when we died with him at the cross. This is hard to change your way of life and to take on a new habit that requires your attention and your time. All of it. This is something different, and all of us are coming out of what we were in the flesh and coming into the victorious Christian life, finding victory in sin, in sickness, in death, in troubles, in good times, and glorifying the Lord and not ourselves. This is a big transition, and it doesn't happen instantly. It's a process, and that's okay. It is hard to make a habit of spending time with the Lord and shutting out everything else and doing that regularly. Hard things are usually the best things. There aren't many good things that aren't hard. Pray to grow in hunger for spending time alone with the Lord Jesus, reading the word of God. This is the solution. 
a natural man would have heard this message so far and said, I, that's, that's too much for me. I, you know, I just felt ashamed and guilty and I don't have enough quiet times or whatnot. But a superman, a superwoman, a, a super person hears this word, sees yourself in this window or mirror into the scriptures and sees that you are probably Martha most of the time and cries out for grace, Lord, help me live supernaturally and give me a great hunger for being with you and a hunger for the word of God. If you feed this hunger, it will grow. So what are the common hindrances we have to spending time with the Lord regularly and often? Work? You know, your jobs? Is your job more important to you than Christ's glory was to him? If so, it's a problem. And we've got to repent of that and let our jobs take second place. Doing the work of service, ministering to people, spending time with Christian brothers and sisters, it's what we do, right? Has this crowded out your time with the Lord? If so, we must repent of that and seek first the Lord and then go to minister. Socializing? Hmm. Um, spending all your time with your family? Or having fun? watching TV, gaming, sports, your health. Maybe you have real barriers to spending time with the Lord that actually make it hard to stop what you're doing and be alone. Maybe you just don't have the energy you feel like. So repent and find grace in the supernatural person of Christ and ask him, Lord, increase my hunger for you and for meeting you in your word. Maybe you have anxiety over being alone. Maybe every time you get quiet and by yourself and open the Bible, you get really anxious. That used to be me. I didn't like spending time with the Lord. Maybe you feel unworthy. You need to repent of letting yourself feel unworthy and know the worthiness that you have in Christ who came for you and said, you're worthy of my affection because my affection is towards you. Do not let any sense of guilt or shame or unworthiness crowd out me coming to you and meeting you in the scriptures. That, brothers and sisters, is sin. We have to lay aside that and repent of it. And we do that by praying for supernatural grace to see him, to enjoy him, and to know him and the unfolding of the Word of God. Maybe you need deliverance or inner healing. Maybe you haven't uh, received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Before, uh, maybe five years ago, when I would spend time alone with the Lord, I would usually be kind of antsy, kind of anxious, and I would almost always stop what I was doing and remember some chore that I didn't do before, and I'd get up from the scriptures that I'd usually just opened, and I would go like wash some dishes or sweep a floor or cook a meal. I always found an excuse for being alone with the Lord. And let me tell you, that wasn't just because I didn't like being with God or didn't like being alone. 
It was a spiritual thing. That was a war going on inside me. There's a spiritual battle for your soul, and each battle is lost when we don't cry out to him for grace to enjoy him and, and press through these things, asking God for the supernatural help that we need to meet him. And he will come. He will come to you. This is the gospel, that we, in our time of need, crying out to him for grace and help and asking him to, to show us his presence and to, to reveal that he is here, he will come. You can test him on this. Have you ever been um, very, very thirsty? Like, uh, like you didn't have any water since lunchtime the day before, and you go to sleep, and it's the Ohio winter, so it's pretty dry. You wake up in the morning, and it's not just your mouth is a little dry, but your tongue is dry, and your lips cracked, and as soon as you open your mouth, it cracks again, and like your whole mouth is completely dry, and your first thought is, oh my gosh, I gotta get a glass of water. And you get yourself to the sink as fast as you can. Have you ever been really, really thirsty like that? Where is our thirst for the word of God? Jesus satisfies the thirst of your soul. He is enough for all of the hard things you're going through. He comes to us in the person of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. He comes to us in the Word of God. He comes to us in the church because He is in us in our togetherness. There's some way that Jesus is present when we're together that is real and true. It says, where two or three, I am, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in your midst. So the Lord comes to us in these ways, but today we're focusing primarily on sitting at the Lord's feet and listening as a lifestyle, letting all the things that would crowd out being with him themselves be crowded out. Because as I found out over the last five years especially, there's nothing better than being with him. There are many joys in life. There are many things we... Uh, that are sweet, fellowship with a friend, family, spouse, um, going on a trip, you know, accomplishing something good, being proud of your work, whatever, whatever is pleasing, whatever is enjoyable, these are all good things. And I have found that none of them are the best thing. Like, I really love my kids. I really love my wife. I deeply love you guys. You're my family. But none of these things are as good as sweet as my time with the Lord. When I'm having a hard day, which is often, I'll usually go down to the basement and just get on my treadmill and press on and walk slowly and I've got the songs that we sing on Sunday mornings on sheets just sitting there and I usually have my Bible open and I'll, I'll just start worshiping for a while and I pray, Lord, come. It's often my first prayer because I literally can't think of anything else to pray as help. Like several times a week, I think. And then he helps me to pray according to his will. And then I move into communion and fellowship with him in a way where I'm very aware of his presence. And even if I was super anxious about like work or getting in trouble or something, if I wasn't keeping up with my workload or, or if I was worried about maybe my, my wife and I are having a hard time working through something or 
Maybe it's really stressful raising kids sometimes. Uh, these are all realities. These kinds of things are realities in our daily lives. And when I spend time with the Lord, as I press in, those things just all melt away. And I see him. I see the risen Christ. And I know him in the fellowship of the presence of his spirit. And I perceive him in the word of God. And whether I'm in the Old Testament or the New, I see that Christ is there. And I, and I know him and I'm with him. And there's nothing better than that. And this overflows into my thoughts, into calming, anxious thoughts. And I'm more at peace, usually like kind of supernaturally, totally at peace, even if I'd been really, really anxious 15 minutes before. It overflows into my emotions because Jesus is for all of you, not just for your philosophy or your theology. He's for how I do my work. He's for how I feel, how I feel about things, my perspective on life. And I begin to be filled with hope and just the life of the Spirit. Everything else melts away, and I enjoy this sense that God loves me. And there's nothing, there's nothing better than that. And I invite you today to lay aside all the distractions. Come and be Mary. Come and be, come and be like Mary. Join her in sitting at the Lord's feet and listening. Is it possible to get caught up in going through the motions of having a quiet time or opening your Bible and, you know, you get on your Bible app, your little holy Bible app on your phone and you read your four chapters a day or whatever. Is it possible to go through the motions and just be like religious about it, which is 100% worthless because you're kind of doing it for yourself and you're not going there to encounter him, of course. And we've all done that, but that's no reason to not make time and try to meet him and ask him to come meet you. He will help, if your heart's not in it, ask him, Please help me have my heart in this. Please remember why I know you're real. Please help me remember, like, come back to reality. I'm always praying that. Please help me to come back, to snap back into reality and to perceive the truth. And, and he does. And it's like my whole perspective on life goes from regular, my old self, to totally living above the world. And feeling, like feeling, because you should feel this oftentimes, although sometimes... You have to press through tough feelings. I normally feel kind of charged up or supercharged. And I have grace to live in a different way than before. And my service becomes service that's pleasing to him because I'm doing it to him and for him and with him. So what is your time with the Lord like? When you spend time with the Lord, what, is it, what does it feel like? What does it taste like or smell like? What goes on in your mind? Is there a spiritual battle leading up to spending time with the Lord? That's okay. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. That's something that sometimes the Lord gives us to test us and find if our hearts are fully devoted to him. So press through that and ask for grace to press through that. So in your quiet times, are there quiet times? Is your only time with the Lord on Sunday mornings? Hmm. That, would, that would not be a very good life, I think. That more or less used to be my life. And that uh, I'm really glad that I'm not in that place anymore.
if you don't enjoy meeting with the Lord in the Word, with prayer, is, is that a description of you? Do you open the Word and not find any joy in it? Do you not have any sense that the Lord is here in the room with you? Do you not ever have any sense that you're meeting Him in the Scriptures? You might be dead. You might literally be spiritually dead. A perfect opportunity to cry out to Him for grace and say, O oh Lord, come to me and heal me, raise me from the dead in your holy, mighty words. Because His words are the same words that made the world. We know that this isn't an eternal material universe. We know that everything that was created, everything that is, was made by the word of his mouth. For the words of Jesus, this eternal God, are powerful, and they create, and they destroy, they raise up, they bring down. If your heart is like a rock, his word is like a hammer that breaks the rock. He has power to speak to you, especially through the word of God, and change you from dead to alive. Those of us who are in Christ, this has happened to all of us. And that's, that's just awesome. So what does it mean to sit at his feet, listening to his word, as we read in the passage? It's primarily reading the Bible with yourself and with others. It also includes prayer, which is partly listening and partly talking. I just love these times of prayer. They're so sweet. It includes uh, the classic spiritual discipline of Christian meditation, also known as practicing the presence of God, which is different than uh, Eastern meditation where you might picture something, for example, the number one, and just say, Om, om. You know, that's, we, we don't empty our minds of everything else and concentrate on something silly like, like an integer. That is, there, there's something spiritual about that, and we reject that. Instead, we come to Christ, and we, we lay aside everything else, and we concentrate on Him and worship Him. That's Christian meditation, thinking about the Lord and concentrating on Him, remembering his presence moment by moment throughout the day. That's, that's part of this sitting at his feet listening. But it's primarily reading the Bible by yourself and with others. Because as Jesus spoke to Mary and Martha and his disciples there, so he speaks. He is in his word. Pray every day to grow in hunger for the word of God. There's a handout that I didn't get into the bulletin. It's from the Search the Scripture series, Taking Bible Study to a Fruitful Level, Part 1A, the Bible on the importance of Bible study. And it will be available by email if you would like it emailed to you, or I'll print you a copy if you come over to my house this afternoon. Please do. You're invited, but not everybody <laughs> at once. It has a... Th- so 13, 14 um, named uh, benefits of spending time in the scriptures. Number one, Jesus. You seek and find 
and know him in the scriptures. I give supporting verses for each of these. Spending time in the scriptures yields growth and the blessing of God. It brings salvation. It brings faith. If you lack faith, go to him in the word. It brings wisdom and truth. If you lack wisdom, if you struggle with making bad decisions, go to him in the word and find the true wisdom. It brings truth or reality. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then you will know the truth, a.k.a. The, what's real, and it will set you free. And we all need to be set free from a lot of things, and we'll never stop needing to come out of the last little bits of unreality in which we're living and come into reality. And Jesus sets you free from unreality in the scriptures. And he also points out to you the, the unreality that's in you that you couldn't see before. The scripture provides sustenance, spiritual food, nutrition. The scripture is more valuable than gold, silver, and riches. The psalmist prayed that, I love your commandments. Above gold, yes, above fine gold. Those are the words of one who loved the Lord and who didn't just read the Bible for some kind of like religious reasons or something, whatever that does for you. He opened the scriptures, and there he met the Lord. And his time with the Lord was so sweet. It was sweeter than the sweetest thing on earth. He'd been out in the woods and found a honeycomb before, and, and he'd tasted of the honey. And there was nothing sweeter. If you've ever had like raw, wild honey, it's way better than regular honey. It's, it's like super good. And nowadays, you know, we have like lots of concentrated sugars. But this was, this was the greatest thing to which, the, the sweetest thing in the whole world. And he said, mm, you're better than the drippings of the honeycomb, it says in the Psalms. That's the normal Christian life. If you're not there, that's okay. This is an invitation, come. Here's how you do it. You pray every day, God, grow my hunger for your word. Help me to seek you with my whole heart. Help me to find you in the opening of the scriptures. The scripture imparts grace. It equips us to do the work of the ministry, to serve one another in love. It edifies us. That means we're a building and we are built up. It edifies us. It sanctifies us. If there is that which is unsanctified in your spirit, I think we're all well aware of such things, go to the Word. The Word of God cleanses you. The Scripture works in us to do things inside us and make us like God, to recreate us after the image of His Son. The scripture increases us. The scripture provides light. It illuminates and it, and it reveals. It provides revelation. In the 1700s and on in Europe, this movement uh, that might be called the so-called enlightenment uh, began. And it was basically an awakening to the truth, air quotes, that um, if I think it, then it's real. 
And that's how reality is measured. And in reality, the, we can turn that upside down and the opposite is true. What we need to be enlightened from is that thinking that I have anything to do with reality because what you think or say or what you do with your hands isn't, isn't what makes something real or brings it into effect. It's the Lord who says, this is true, this is reality, this is my eternal law, this is what I say is righteous, this is how I've created the world to be, and I say, it's good. And that's it. So we're coming out of, by approaching him primarily in the word, we're coming out of thinking anything but that. And only the word of God has power to undo what's not Christian in your thinking. And there's a lot of it in all of us. The scripture reveals God's heart. It reveals God's ways. Jesus said, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So we know that the scripture is God's word, right? He's spoken it through the minds, through the pens of these ancient authors, and he completed it in one holy book for Christians of all ages, kept safe by the mighty power of the Holy Spirit who created the world, and preserved for us, now translated into English, or whatever language you prefer to speak. And it is enough for you. It is enough for our needs. It's complete, it's undefiled, it's pure, it reveals God's heart. When you open the Bible, you're actually finding out what the living God is thinking. That's awesome. You can know what God is thinking. I think Greg said a week or two ago that when the prophet said, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts, you know, to uh, the ancient Israelites. And he said that was a rebuke, like they should have been pursuing God and having more of God's thoughts in them because they were meditating on his word day and night. And his word was becoming what they thought. And they weren't. I'd never, I never looked at that passage that way. But that would probably be a good rebuke for us because we, we often are found not thinking God's thoughts after him. We're often found having coming to the scripture and thinking, ooh, that's offensive. Or, gee, I wish I were like that. Or, that'll never happen. Or, I just can't believe that. Right? This all becomes undone as we spend time with Jesus in the word and let, it, and let his thoughts become our new way of thinking. And that is the Christian life. And that is sanctification. And one day, when we see him, we'll be like him. And these bodies will be somehow transformed into glorified bodies. We will look at him and we'll see Jesus' face shining like the sun in all its brilliance. And we actually won't be destroyed by the thunder and lightning coming out from his throne because we'll be fully sanctified. So I say to you, start this process now. This is the Christian life, meeting the Lord in the word. The scripture furnishes hope. Have you struggled with hopelessness? 
I usually do every week. I get like overwhelmed by things. And I have to just stop what I'm doing and spend time with the Lord. And he fills me with a new hope for the day. And I realized that my perspective on like, oh my gosh, I can't finish like today's work before midnight when it's due, like is just absurd. And I'm filled with this supernatural hope that allows me to not just complete my work, but think, this is nothing. I'm going to rise up and overcome like the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms over our neighborhood. And I have a totally different perspective than I had before. Those kinds of things should be happening in your mind when you go to the Word. The Scripture provides eternal fruit. It causes us to examine ourselves, like this passage today. It's a mirror to us. It generates conviction. It converts our hearts. It causes repentance. If you struggle with repenting from sin, maybe some more time in the Word would help. That's how repentance happens, through God speaking to you, and He speaks in His Word. The Scripture creates new life. It brings spiritual conception and birth, and it builds us up into mature manhood, mature adulthood, becoming like Christ in one area after another. The scripture supplies joy and peace and praise. And I told you that's kind of been like my story and the best thing in my life in the last five years. Although my wife is very wonderful. My kids are great. It's great being part of the fellowship with you guys. But it supplies joy and praise. And that's just been the best thing for me. Because as I see him, I have, I have real joy and peace that goes beyond understanding. The last point, point four, uh, number 14 on this, is and so forth, etc. So there's more. <laughs> a good starting place to growing your hunger for God's word would be getting one of these and reading it to yourself. If you're a dad, maybe, uh, maybe read it to your family. Take a section and read out loud to your family at the beginning of dinner or before dinner ends, whenever. Read them these verses, you could take one section a week and you could read through the whole section. It's like a paragraph. Um, And each week you could move on to a new section and you could pray over your family every night at dinner this week and every morning when you wake up, Lord, increase our hunger for the word of God. So whatever your place is in your family um, or if you have no natural family and we're your only family, whatever, pray this for all of us. Pray this for each other. This is how you get started. It's better to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his word than to do anything else. Martha said to Mary, or Martha said to Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Like she was doing something good. But Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, You are anxious and troubled about many things. And the Lord would say to you right now, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary chose the good portion, and it won't be taken away from her. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, come to us and draw near to us, especially when our hearts are farthest from you. Help us to know you in the opening of your word. Fill us with love for your scriptures and hunger for God. And help us to, as we read your word more and more, not for religious reasons, but because you're in it. And as we encounter you in deeper, life-transforming ways that make us feel like the people we know we were created to be. Increase our hunger for Jesus all the more. Give us discipline to, and, and supernatural strength to lay aside everything else and come and be alone with you in the word. Thank you for your word. It is bread to our souls, for you're in it, and you're the bread of life. Amen.